Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life. My name is NBZ, and this is episode 61 of this here little old podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my frenemy, my co-host, it's Bally. How are you today, Bally? Hello, NBZ. I'm I'm very good. Been playing um, quite a few games as per. Yes, indeed, as we always do. Um, but uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that stuff in, in due time. Uh, there's some things that happened this week very recently, uh, including the big old nin- direct out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely, just showed up on the front doorstep. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we had one of those. So, uh, we're going to talk about some of that stuff. What, what are we going to be doing this week, Bally? Break it down, because it's not a regular show for folks. It is not a regular show, show in the slightest MVZ, because we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct for the first segment, and then we are going to delve into our second ever Backlog Club, which, of course, is the wonderful game, Metroid Zero Mission, um, on the Game Boy Advance from 2004. Uh, so we've both been playing that, and we are going to break it down in the second segment of today's show. Yeah, we decided the combination of a Nintendo Direct plus the fact that we're going in very deep detail about an individual game uh, meant that we're going to push back what we've been playing, I think, for the first time in the show's history. Um, we're still talking about a game, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a different change-up. So there you go. This is what we got. And, uh, yeah, let's, I guess let's jump into it, Bally. Let's talk about the Nintendo Direct. So this, uh, you know, came about on Twitter the day beforehand, and everyone got real excited because, uh, you know, haven't been one in a while. There was the Pokemon Direct, of course, which happened. I don't think we've actually talked about that yet, but that was the announcement of Pokemon Sun and Moon, um, which they didn't really tell us much else aside from that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone really expected the Direct to just suddenly show up, and it did. Were you uh, happy about that? Oh, definitely. And the last one was in November, I believe. Uh, right, which, yes. It's a long way away, a long way away indeed. And like, I don't know if there will be one between now and E3, but it's just sort of like a nice a nice good slot. Start of March, let's go for it. Yeah, they usually do the February kind of direct, um, and March seems a little late, but um, it's, it's right at the start at least, and... Uh, there's some games coming out for the spring and the summer that they wanted to highlight. So, uh, so yeah, it, all that stuff happened. Um, there was, unfortunately, like the day beforehand, a bit of a leak um, relating to the European version of the Nintendo Direct, which spoiled a few things, but I didn't think it was really that bad. And, you know, there was some good stuff here, but I don't think anything was super groundbreaking, so it wasn't really going to blow anyone's mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into a bally. Let's kick off with the big daddy, the one who uh, Nintendo are putting all their hopes on uh, for the kind of the next quarter here. Uh, There's, of course, our main man, Star Fox, in his new project, Star Fox Zero. Uh, Miyamoto came out, talked about the game a little bit, reintroduced it, and said, you know, we had to take time to work on all this extra stuff, but hey, it's coming soon, April 22nd, and, uh, yeah, they have reworked the tech demo Star Fox Guard, which was previously known as Project Guard, which was shown at E3 about two years ago, will come in a special edition packet with the Zero game. If you buy that, you can also download it from the eShop. Um, so, yeah, Bally, what are your thoughts here on all this new Star Fox information? Are you excited for the final release? Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I don't know if I'm necessarily excited. I'm not I'm not the biggest Star Fox fan. I mean, Star Fox 64 was great, but it's not... It's nothing, not, nothing special. Um, and I think this game is just... 
I think we're unusual amongst Nintendo fans, uh, perhaps, to be so sour on Star Fox. So I think that Star Fox 64 is considered a, a classic, and it's easy to see that they're just trying to be more and more like that game with Star Fox Zero for for the future. And that's fine, because I think it will be a good game. I, I do look forward to playing it. I, I don't know if I'll get it day one, but... I think it looks good. I think with what we saw from like the map layout and he reiter- Miyamoto reiterated the idea of like branching paths and things. I'm not a big fan of branching paths, but I understand that's a big part of Star Fox, so so be it basically. But um I was intrigued and I thought Star Fox Guard looked interesting as well. Um I hope that's a reasonable price for the download. I'd be a bit disappointed if it was more than say twenty five pounds, twenty pounds. I wanna pl- I wanna pay pay something a bit bit less for that. I would be really surprised if it was that price, especially because it seems like if it's coming with the main game, it's not going to be that much more expensive. I think I don't know if it'll be the same price or, or what, but I think it's only coming with the main game in the special pack, though, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be more expensive than just your standard retail version. Um, I have no idea. Um, but were you interested by Guard? I mean, for me, I'm not a huge fan of tower defense stuff, aside from like. The original Plants vs. Zombies, which I enjoy quite a bit, I'm not really down with any other sort of tower defense stuff. I'm just, I I don't click with that sort of gameplay. Um, What do you think about all this screen stuff? Yeah, I like the concept of tower defense. I I can't claim to have played many tower defense games, if any. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. But I think that it looked interesting. I I think the idea with the different screens is quite a cool one. Um, Maybe I'm a bit worried that that's the game like that's the one gimmick gimmick's a harsh word but that, that's the one selling point is having the multiple camera angles and the game might not do f- too much more than that but we'll see if it's a reasonable price gets decent reviews i'll give it a go um and i'm always open-minded about those sort of things so it's nice to see them doing different things yeah a few things kind of piqued my interest despite me probably not wanting to play uh, this Star Fox game because of my bad experience with the 64 game. Um, but, like, the idea that those branching paths are actually kind of much more telegraphed, the fact that there's kind of these teleportals that appear within the level indicating, hey, if you go through this, this will let you kind of go to a different area as opposed to those, like, kind of amorphous, didn't explain how to do the other path stuff, which I didn't really like in the original. Um, and uh, And also... The fact that that multiplayer mode looks pretty cool where they break down having someone with the pro controller just using the ship and then the other person just focuses 100% on the shooting really gave me like a Mario Kart Double Dash feel, um, which was really cool. I, I actually would be interested in playing that game multiplayer because it gets rid of the problem of being, you know, patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time if you're only just patting your head or rubbing your stomach individually, you know? <laughs> yes, d- yeah, definitely. And that was a nice feature to add. Uh, I, I can't really think of many other features that they they they, they talked about. I mean, the Amiibo but... lets you be the original Star Fox um, plane. That's kind of nice, yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Cool, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly, they've laid the groundwork here. It's coming out soon, so might as well just parade it out. Uh, anyway, up next, some more updates for Mario Maker and Splatoon. Uh, Splatoon wasn't really too much. It was just a bit of balancing, I guess. Yeah, it's like, here's, it's like, here's a 
set of guns with a name or something. It was a bit weird. It was like yeah, weird. just some new weapons and things like that. Um, kind of expecting like a probable DLC paid for thing in the future. I, I know that. Yeah, that that could this could have been a nice window to announce that. I know that the main director behind Splatoon was talking about some of that stuff at a recent tournament in Japan, which indicated that it probably isn't ready right now. Like, they're probably in the planning stages or development stages of that stuff if it is happening. So, yeah, I, w- I would have liked to see it, but I understand that they're still working on it probably. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mario Maker, much more substantial. Uh, we add two new elements or, or a couple. Was there more than two? I think I remember the thwomp turning into the crazy squashing thing, and then you have the... Uh, um, the, the keys. keys. But, but uh, there's multiple ways of getting the keys. So you can put right. the keys in enemies or you can create five sort of key coins, which are a sort of new item, almost like red coins. But you collect all the key coins to get the key. So Yeah, which is great. It creates the idea of having a level where you just explore around for all of the coins and then you have to get to that central point with a key. I love that concept. I think that really just opens things up hugely to make levels in Mario Maker. Also, like, you can legitimately have bosses that are mandatory now because if you give the key to like a bowser jr you have to fight him before you get through that door Mm. that's a smart thing to put in there because i think people were really struggling with like i mean people are just like jumping past my boss and i have to do something about that because otherwise it's it's kind of impossible um so smart thing i think that they've done there implementing that stuff they also added a uh kind of new expert mode super expert mode which only unlocks after you've beaten the standard expert mode in 100 mario challenge and it will give you six ridiculously hard courses which i expect like the percentage for that would probably be like under 0.01% or something, or under 1% probably, like 0.0 something, um, I imagine. And uh, and then you will unlock more amiibo costumes for being those. So good luck to people doing that, because I fucking don't think I'll ever be able to <laughs> beat a super expert challenge thing. Mm. Sounds pretty horrific. Um, but, you know, Bally, I love that they're supporting Mario Maker. It's a fucking amazing it's thing. Cool. It was our game of the year last year. Mm. I love it. It's wonderful. So... Yeah, and and this year I'm sure we're going to set time aside at points to kind of make some more levels, test each other. I've been working on a level oh. like for the last month or so in and out. Oh. I haven't gone back to it in a couple of weeks, but yes, I I always like to go in there and tinker. So, so we'll it's get happening to that at some point. Absolutely, Paper uh, Mario. So yeah, you know we're not really going in any order here. Just whatever stuck out to us. Paper Mario Color Splash was announced. Um, Bali, what did you think of this? I'm interested because you never played a Paper Mario game before. Yeah, it, it's not standing out to me any more or less than any other Paper Mario game, to be honest. I, I, I don't know. I'd like to maybe start with the N64 version at some point. I don't really have much to say about Paper Mario at this point in time, but uh, it looked all right. Yeah. Well, I think that the Paper Mario game on N64 will be a much different experience to this one because... This really looks like they're doubling down on Sticker Star in a way that makes me rather concerned because really the big problem with that game was that there was no experience leveling and so the idea of using that Sticker stuff, just it's like, why would I even bother fighting enemies, you know? Because you're not actually gaining anything from it. If anything, you're losing stuff because you're losing attack possibilities for bosses with stickers and you're also losing health along the way. Like, it just didn't make any sense. Wait, so that's the same in this game? Yeah, well, it looks like the battle system is similar where you have these cards that you paint and you flick them from the Wii U gamepad to the main screen. 
it screams the fact that it's not a proper RPG once again. And in fact, in all three regions, they said that this is a action-adventure style game. RPG wasn't mentioned once. So people are fucking screaming on gaff right now about how Paper Mario is dead. And that this is going to be a not-real Paper Mario game, which... I understand why they'd go in this direction because they already have Mario and Luigi which is kind of standing in as their main RPG series right now and having two is a bit redundant but man that sucks for people who love those old Paper Mario games because the first two were fantastic by all accounts and then everything since then just hasn't been um, so it's a disappointment I think for people. It's unfortunate and I didn't like Sicker Star that much which means I'm probably not that interested in this. Like it looks gorgeous, it's Paper Mario, it looks fantastic in HD but if the gameplay is not there then I'm not showing up you know. So. And, and it's going to come out around autumn we think. I think it's probably a September October release, September. I really feel it is. Fall. Yeah fall the fall as they say um well some things are gonna fall uh off of japanese ladies probably in tokyo mirage sessions hashtag fe or sharp (laughs) um which is now the new title for shimagami tensei crossfire emblem which is also called gene ibun roku sharp fe oh is it i didn't even realize that i just thought it was another crazy japanese game with fire emblem characters Uh uh-huh oh yeah, yeah sure totally yeah um, so this actually is being released in the summer, which is way sooner than I think anyone thought it was, but there's a good reason for that, and it's the fact that it's not being fully localized in terms of voice acting. Like, there is a bunch of voice acting in this game. Here's the interesting thing about this game, Bally, is it takes a lot of licensed Japanese music, and it gets used in the game, and that's very expensive, clearly, and I don't think this game did very well in Japan, and clearly it's not going to sell well over here. So not only do you have to find actors who can do the voice roles, you also have to be able to have them sing as well, and then try and translate the singing stuff into English while also making it sound great with the song and the background. Like, it seems like a fucking mess to try and properly localize this. Plus, it's Japanese as hell. People would be screaming about it because they're all babies about censorship and shit. Uh, And it would have been a nightmare. So I think the smart thing Nintendo did was, hey, let's just leave the Japanese voice track in there. Let's add subtitles, make it much less expensive. And that is probably why it's coming out so early because it doesn't need to take all that time in the oven to cook up and and get all the, the VO sorted. So I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue. Um, It's putting the treehouse out of a job. Yeah, I guess, but it means they can actually spend their time working on other stuff, so works for me. Uh, I'm definitely going to be playing this come June 24th, which is when it comes out. Uh, Great, actually really good for the summer to have a big RPG. I think that's a a smart plan, and Nintendo usually have kind of dry summers, at least in North America, so the fact that there's something there at least, even if it is for the most niche crowd possible, at least it exists, so... Cool stuff. Um, Next up, Bally, something that's relevant to you. Super Nintendo games on new 3DS. This should have been here Yay. 12 months ago, shouldn't it? But I think it's it goes beyond that. It's not this should have been here 12 months ago. It's This isn't even an announcement because, in our opinions, and we've said this on the show before, the 3DS, both the original and the new 3DS, should be able to like have you know GBA games and Super Nintendo games in the eShop, and they just don't. So I feel like Super Nintendo games on the new 3DS is literally the bare minimum. Yeah. Like it's it's really not exciting. What would have been quite exciting was would have been N64 or GameCube games on the new 3DS. That would have made, made everyone go, whoa, 
That's right, yeah, cool. that would have been like, crazy. That's kind of cool. Um, and it's not. It's Super Nintendo games. And Right, but I think the real core of the issue here is, like, they are more expensive than on Wii U, and they're not cross-buy, and all this other... Like, Ugh, great, you have yeah. them portably, but, like, you have to pay for them fucking again. And, like... It's really wearing thin now. Really, to me, it feels like a last-minute cash grab from Nintendo before they homogenize and like get all their account stuff sorted out. Where hopefully we won't have to deal with this shit ever again. But it, I don't know. It feels like a. It it should have been done ages ago, and the fact that they're doing it now just seems like a desperation thing. Honestly, it's it just... really does. And you're right. Imagine if you own already own like Super Mario World, Earthbound, Donkey Kong Country on your Wii U on the Virtual Console, and you get the new 3DS, and you just have to pay for them all again. Like it's just pointless. It's just it utter, is utter pointless. And it's. I mean, I've, there's some games like Earthbound that I am up for playing on like my new 3ds potentially and that's nice actually that one works because like an rpg on the go is probably better than at home definitely yeah rpgs on the go are nice and that's how i played like games like xenoblade um chronicles so yes that's nice but that's just a little nice thing it's not like that's going to ever sell anyone a new 3ds or anything it's just it's just a little cherry on the top it's hardly anything but yeah it's it's not a big deal um but hey it's you know they've got to have some announcements so let's pad it out why not i hope, I hope they um, fix it for nx that's what i want yeah yeah well you know what something that really indicates that they're gearing up for nx development to me bally is what they've been doing recently which is put out new games with uh, existing assets and try and uh, putting out kirby games <laughs> Yeah, putting out Kirby games at the end of uh, console life cycles. Uh, yeah, Kirby Planet Robobot was announced, one of the few surprises in this Nintendo Direct that we didn't know about before and wasn't leaked. Um, it looks like, hey, they've taken the triple deluxe engine and have made a new game from it. Um, which, Kirby Mech. Yeah, Kirby's Mech Adventures, it seems like. Uh, looks cool. I mean, I haven't played triple deluxe yet. That's the game that I actually do want to play, and I've heard very good things about it. I'm sure this game will be great. Um as long as it's as, as good as that last one, I don't know. It doesn't. It's not really screaming out to me to buy yeah, it right now. It looks good. Kirby's kind of mixed in our minds through multiple games, to be honest. So, and yes, you're right. Triple Docs does sound like it's got great reviews and things like that, and we both should play it at some point. Um, and this game looked like more Triple Deluxe with some extra mech stuff, and that looks nice. Uh, nothing amazing, but pretty cool. Yeah, a nice little surprise, I guess, for the people who are Kirby fans. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Bally. Uh, the big oh boy. boy. The hot daddy. Uh, Metro Prime Federation oh, Force. Uh, so Shibata kindly said that, uh, you know, some fans after E3 had some questions about Metro Prime Federation <laughs> Force. I think uh, putting it lightly uh, in that sense. I'd love to have been his speechwriter. Could you imagine oh, that yeah. job? Like, how oh, are yeah. we going to get around this? Oh boy, who knows? But uh, they did it, and uh, then they cut to Kensuke Tanabe, who is the uh, head honcho behind the Metroid Prime series. He worked with Retro Studios in the past and is now working with Next Level Games to produce Federation Force. Came out with a bit more explanation about it, kind of breaking it down about how everything works. There's stuff to do with different classes and weapons and, like, having that multiplayer setting. I have to admit, I wasn't super paying attention to it, but it looked like more of the same. I wasn't really convinced otherwise. Were you, Ballet? Yeah, I, I've I've always been interested in this game. I think I'm still going to get it. Um, 
I think you're maybe a harder sell considering you're not the biggest Metroid Prime fan. So I think. Also, I don't have a new 3DS, so the lack of analog nub for first-person control is awkward. Yeah, they did talk about that, didn't they? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested. I I don't want this just to be, you know, Triforce Heroes, but in shooter mode. I, I want it to be better than that. See, it could even be like that problem with Triforce Heroes of region locking as well. Imagine if they do that. Then it just cuts off a whole bunch of shit, you know? Uh, But I want to give some respect to Nintendo on this one, actually, because they could have, like, tried to wangle their way out of it or doubled down from E3. Like, that was one of the worst backlashes in a long time. It was sort of Wind Waker-esque backlash. Oh, yeah. Um, And I'm not not saying this game is going to be like Wind Waker in the future. I I would bet money that it's not. But I I was impressed that they, they went along with it and they said this is another game in the Metroid Prime series. And, like, they kept saying that. This is a Metroid Prime game. This is a Metroid Prime game. And it was like, okay, it's a Metroid Prime game. We get it. And that's just, like, a nice... We are Nintendo. Here's our middle finger to all you people shouting at us. Like, we are going to do this game. And, like, I just admire that. That I'm not saying it's a sinking ship, but they're sticking by their guns, and I like that. Because, uh, you know, Next Level are a fantastic company, and... I'm definitely not writing this game off. I think it could be, um, it could be the, the the hidden gem of the year. Definitely, I still think it's got that chance. It, yeah, it could be absolutely. Um, I I won't write it off either. I I will wait to see because there are lots of questions I still have about it, like that region locking thing, like how is it going to control on a standard 3DS without the analog nub. Like there are things which, for me personally, put it in a camp where I need to wait. Um, yeah. but I would. I think it would be f- like. I think we'd have great fun playing it online together. So that's the other qu- thing. Is like Triforce Hero had a lot of problems. We also had a fucking great time playing it. So you know. I also I also enjoyed the little preamble they had to the, talking about this game where they sort of said, "Ah, we thought about doing like a Metroid Prime online game before." It's like. Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you just try it? Why are you, why are you waiting for like a handheld? I don't know. I just it feels weird to bringing Prime onto the handheld is another weird thing. Like I, it's it's strange. Like I wish it was all just a bit more by the by the numbers. But you know, Nintendo by the numbers is maybe not what we should be wishing for. No, that, then we end up in a new Super Mario Brothers situation, and whoever wants that. Um... No. All right, well, let's move on then from uh, that train wreck to Monster Hunter Generations, which was kind of the thing that confirmed the leak yesterday because a trademark was filed for this game. And uh, then everyone was like, oh, right, well, that guy who said Monster Hunter Generations was showing up was correct. Um, and he was, because here it is. It's The Japanese game is Monster Hunter Cross, um, so they've just localized it to be Generations instead. I don't know why they did that. Cross seemed like a fine name, but whatever. Um, and are you ever going to try a Monster Hunter game? I don't know. See, this one might be the one. Um, it seems like apparently very much more action focused. It seems like they've really drilled down into what the core of that series is. And like I've heard, I've been listening to Eight Four Podcast for a long time, and they always talk about this series. And they've all said that Cross is a real evolution of the Monster Hunter series, and it feels like a, a great game. So. This could be the one, who knows? I've never been super interested in Monster Hunter, honestly. Just it's it's a huge time commitment and it's one that yep. Yep. I'm not willing to learn and really get yep. good at because I like to play a bunch of games and it seems like the kind of hundred hour sinkhole 
that would end up going yeah. further than that if I enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't we've know. already we've already got our sinkholes. We don't need another one. Yeah, yeah, basically. So, I uh, we'll see. It's it's Monster Hunter. I can't really say anything about it. So let's move on. Uh, Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix Bally. This has been a game that loads of people have been waiting to be localized for a huge amount of time. Uh, it's uh, basically a mashup of all the Rhythm Heaven games that have come out on I think GBA, DS, Wii, um, and uh, putting a bunch of those mini games all together in one big pack for 3DS. I think we're both interested in picking this yeah. up as having really not played much Rhythm Heaven, but hearing fantastic things about it. So has Rith- a Rhythm Heaven game ever come out in the West? Yeah, it's um, there, there have been two, I think, which were the DS and Wii games. Okay. Um, the GBA one didn't, um, but the I think it's called Rhythm Fever over here. Okay, Rhythm right. Paradise. No, yeah, because the Wii game here was called Beat the Beat Rhythm Paradise. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 it's differently localized, but, uh, yeah, they have existed here. It looks cool. I mean, we both lo- absolutely love WarriorWare, and right, and this is like, this is that team. So we love some good Japanese music when it's done well, mm-hmm. and you know, if it's got some banging tunes, some nice rhythm gameplay, it's always been something I've wanted to try out. And this seems like a great package to just jump in blind and say, "Here's a mix of all the previous games. Let's go for it." And to a Western market as well. So yeah, looking forward to that. It's weird, it's quirky, totally something that uh, I'm down for trying out. So look forward to that. I think that's coming out later this year. I don't think they actually nailed down a release date, but mm. um, it'll happen. Uh, they didn't nail down a release date for Dragon Quest Seven either. That has uh, you know, got a trailer, and we got told some things about it. You know, it's being localized, it's coming out. I'm going to play it, probably. Uh, it depends on depends really on the length of time between this coming out and Dragon Quest VIII coming out, because really, Dragon Quest VIII is the one that I should play and the one that is critically acclaimed. Um, but if it takes too long and that gets like pushed to 2017 or something, then I might just take the plunge on seven uh, as it is, because I've always been interested. I've, I played Dragon Quest Nine. I'm down to play eleven when that comes out on uh, NX, probably. Uh, and uh yeah i'm I'm into some dragon quest so looking forward to that um hyrule warriors added medley as a character bali you like wind waker medley's cool yeah but i'm not buying that game no i know <laughs> i just thought i'd mention it <laughs> just because... I don't know, just chuck her under the bus as well why don't you just keep it coming whatever yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know they announced a bunch of season pass stuff dlc drops for hyrule warriors legends those people will be happy so let them be happy um then uh we i mean we had a, a big reel of kind of indie games uh that came out on the european direct uh any of those strike your fancy ballet anything stand out to you from the uh the reel at all just super meat boy because you don't shut the hell up about it right <laughs> and, and it's been a while coming that game to wii u and it's nice that it's gonna come so i'm looking forward to giving that a go um i don't know zero striker gumball i forgot that the first one even came out yeah it did come out in europe it came out really late uh but we got it eventually it's actually on sale on the eShop right now and i'm thinking oh i was surprised you didn't want to pick it up well yeah that's the thing like rfn talked about it and then they had kind of mixed opinions and i was like i don't know maybe i want to play this but maybe i'll wait on a sale and it's on sale right now so i might pick it up but then also if the sequel is on the horizon maybe i should just hold out for that instead like i'm not sure what to do with the series right now um but yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes. I'll, I'll probably wait for the sequel. Um, but yeah, that got announced. I'm not sure when that's happening, but I think it'll probably be sometime soon. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited for you to play Super Meat Boy. It is 
the best platformer ever made, in my opinion. I think Whoa. it is perfection. I think it is fucking incredible. Now that it's so, on the Nintendo system, it can be in part of the top 50 games of all time chat. Absolutely. No, here's the thing, like... Super Meat Boy was supposed to be on the original Wii, and because of those restrictions back then, yeah, this was a big, big thing back in the day, and it was like, I was following it a little bit, but I remember listening to old RFN episodes, and they always kept talking about, like, the struggle of getting Meat Boy on the uh, the Wii Wii Shop channel, not the eShop, and uh, because of the 40 megabyte limit, they were never able to, like, that game was just too big to do it, so, um, yeah. Nintendo had policies that, thankfully, they've changed now, and finally, Meat Boy's on a Nintendo platform, uh, late as it is, but it exists, so I am thrilled that more people get to play that game. It's fucking brilliant, so. Um, Next up is the new free-to-play game that was announced a while ago as Project Treasure. It's now got a title of Lost Reavers, and uh, it has a frame rate of about 15, uh, and that sounds horrible. But uh, we'll we'll give it a shot. There's an open beta, I think, in April, um, and it's coming out, like, end of April. It's an online treasured action thing. Did you think anything positive about it, Bally, or were you kind of lost in your own thoughts at that point in time? It looked boring. (laughs) Well, we can, opinion, yeah, we can give it a shot. Yeah, we can give it a shot. But like, and Fizz I, tweeted us and was like, "Hey, I want to uh, play with you guys." So if I must, if you if must, must, we'll do it. <laughs> so we'll do that. Something being um, free is not a good reason to play a game. But I'll no, that's that. true. That's but true. Yeah. Um, before we get to the big daddy, let's go through some quick hits. Marin Sonic at the Olympic Games got a new trailer. It's going to be another mini game collection. I with rugby. <laughs> That looks cool. It's got rugby. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. Sevens rugby. rugby. Sevens. Um, Have you played the Marin Sonic Olympic Games? Because my cousin had them on the Wii. And so, like, I remember one of the Christmases back in the day, uh, I remember playing quite a bit of Marin Sonic at the Olympic Games and enjoying it at the time, but also, like, thinking, yeah, it's another minigame collection. I don't know. Not really caring about it. So did you play the London one or the Beijing one? I believe it must have been the London one. It was ages ago, so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, no, it Beijing like was before that, wasn't it? Yeah, Beijing's 08. I think it might have been Beijing then. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, that game looks like it's it's looking better and better. Like, but that's just the way that I don't know the systems that it's on are progressing. I guess. Right. But, yeah. I mean, it, and I don't know. It didn't seem to have much in-game play footage. It was all cutscenes and crap. So yeah. It yeah. Looks, I'm. There's no way I'm going to get this. I'm just saying it looks. No. It looks quite nice. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, also they announced a new amiibo, which was the Kirby uh, selection of amiibo, which you probably should have talked about when we talked about Rubber Bobot. Uh, but the amiibo, I don't know, fucking whatever. Buy them if you want. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, then the last things are the European things that didn't get talked about uh, because they're not out here yet. They're already out in America. Um, Shibata did a dance to Yokai Watch. It was yes. a gif- It was a gifable event. It was. It was glorious. glorious. Um, so we it enjoyed that. That was very um, good. I'm sure that in future Nintendo Direct threads, GIFs of Shibata dancing will be used as hype fuel. So I look forward to they that. They know it. They know it. And we love it. But Bali, let's get down to the main event. The most important thing about this entire Nintendo Direct. In your opinion. Fire Emblem <laughs> Fates is coming out in Europe before the year 2019. Can you believe it, Bali? <laughs> May 20th is the day. 
I was furious because this is still... It is not that far. This I is think... still... It's fucking three months away, you fucking... Oh. I'm so surprised at how annoyed you are about this. I've I've got I'm a lot on my plate, MBZ. And I think by the time May 20th comes around, my backlog will look nice and trimmed down. And I mean, it's I'll, perfect for you. You've just finished ready. Awakening, so you don't want to jump into anything too soon. It's absolutely brilliant for you. For me, it's an agonizing hellscape. Yeah, that's true. So, that I true. mean, it's coming, but I have to wait like an extra month than I had to wait for Awakening. I understand why, because it's three games being localized into five languages. So, of course, that's going to take a much longer time. But uh, it's it's deflating. I have to wait this long. But we'll get there, Bally. We'll make it through. I'm sure that the tides will turn. I'm sure Nintendo will reach reach out to Europeans in another way in the near future. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Early what NX release us? date. <laughs> right, sure. Let's let's have NX first. Fuck uh, the US. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Screw God. that. Screw we them. Can, we can get our NX. Anyway, yeah, overall, Bally, what do you think of this direct? Were you uh, interested or did it, would it fall flat? What was your kind of take overall? It was on the weaker sides of directs, I'd say. But, I mean, overall, it was one of those nice long ones that mentions tons of little things and they're always quite interesting um i definitely think the last surprised at the lack of uh, box boy 2 being brought up lack of box boy 2 lack of stuff like pocken tournament lack of there's a there's yeah pocken tournament was mentioned in the u.s direct i should mention oh yeah. was it okay yeah do they have a release date i think it's march 10th or something for them it's actually really soon march 10th wow do we have a release date I have no fucking clue. If they didn't bring up, then I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Sort your marketing out, Nintendo. But yeah. yeah. So I thought it was decent. Nothing amazing. But not bad either. Yeah. It, I kind of fall on the same camp. I thought it was fine. It wasn't mind-blowing. And again, a lot of the wind of the sails was taken out because of that leak. But it seems to be Nintendo these days. Uh, for some reason, clogging up all the holes apart from... Or just clogging up the one hole, the NX hole, and then letting everything else <laughs> spill out the shit as they... Well, slowly... you might as well clog up the most important hole. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. you got to like, make on. your priorities. So, that's true. That's it's the true. most money that they're saving with that hole. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to uh, wrap up our Nintendo Direct discussion. Let us know what you think. Um, and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, I guess we're, uh, we'll we'll mention the email in the next segment, probably when we talk about people's emails. But why don't we give it a quick plug here, Bally, because uh, we're not having a uh, dedicated listener mail section this week. Sure. Where can people send us their thoughts on the Direct and Nintendo's future and all that good stuff? Please send all your thoughts and comments and questions to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Indeed. Uh, So after the break, uh, do be sure to rejoin us because we will be back talking about breaking down the last 2D Metroid that was ever made 12 years ago, (laughs) Metroid Zero Mission. So uh, we'll be back in a little bit. Do not go anywhere.
right, folks, welcome back to the podcast, and uh, this time, for this very special feature topic, it is, of course, our favourite Backlog Club. Uh, if you don't know what the Backlog Club is, well, you should have paid attention for the last few episodes <laughs> when we were we, telling you about it. We've been trying to tell everyone, haven't we? We have been. We've been putting out the call on Twitter, telling you to send us emails, and uh, we had some some good engagement. So uh, we've got some uh, emails from you guys about Zero Mission, uh, which we'll get to through the course of talking about it. Um, but yeah, if, if you are not aware of what we're doing here, this is the Backlog Club, where Bally and I both choose a game that we're both going to play together, and we invite the audience to play along with us and give us their thoughts, which is it's kind of a fun community thing to do, and um, yeah. We, we just want to go and play some games we haven't played, which we really should have done by this point. Um, and Zero Mission is certainly high on that list. So uh, let's get into it then, Bally. Let's talk about Metroid Zero Mission. Uh, originally released on the Game Boy Advance back in the day after Metroid Fusion. This was the second GBA game, and I believe it came out only a year after Fusion did, Bally. Um, now, at the time, I was... Yes, back in the day when Metroid was every year. Right, when it was an annual franchise, kind of. Um, when I was kind of at this time, I always looked at Zero Mission on the shelf in, like, game stores and stuff, and I always was interested and wanted it. But there was this kind of nagging thing in me which was like, okay, this is a, a remake. This isn't actually a real full new game. So I never kind of, like, pushed my parents to be like, I really want to pl- play this and get this, despite the fact that I really enjoyed Fusion and had Fusion at that time, um, which was weird. I don't know why that was, but I never kind of got to it back then. And then, of course, you know, GBA games are harder to find these days. And eventually it came to the Virtual Console, which is where we're playing it now on the Wii U Virtual Console. Do you remember at the time anything about Zero Mission? Do you remember? reading reviews about it in O&M or anything of the sort? Um, I mean, I remember Fusion and Zero Mission as being these two games that everyone loved that I just, for whatever reason at the time, had zero interest, zero, get it, zero interest yeah. in, <laughs> which I, obviously I regret now because I think I would absolutely loved them at the time. Um, I think we should also point out, like, this is the last 2D Metroid, isn't it? Like, this was the Well, last yeah, this one. 12 years ago, it was the last time... Ago. Metroid was released in the 2D format, so yeah, it, it's kind of staggering that when you think about it, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, I uh, never played it at the time. I kind of, since in the past few years, maybe like five, six years ago, I picked it up on an emulator and kind of just fucked about with it because I was always interested and I had really enjoyed Fusion at that time and I'd finished it and 100%ed it and everything and I always was curious about it, so I kind of when I went back to this, this time, I kind of realized how much I'd actually played of it. It was maybe a third of the game that I'd actually gone through on the emulator and not realized that I'd got that deep into it. Because it is a pretty short game when it comes to uh, Metro Tiles in general. So, um, yeah, it, it's cool to go back to it. And uh, and let's let's dive in then, Bally. Let's give our first impressions. What were your first thoughts as soon as you hopped into Zero Mission? How it felt, all that stuff. I think the first thing that hit me was actually the music. It's all, like, it really hit me just... As much as I love Fusion and, and other Metroids, I feel like if you just want the bog-standard Metroid themes that we know and love, mainly from games like Smash Brothers, this just this game just oozes those theme tunes, and I that that is definitely what hit me the first like instant of playing this. I was like, wow, this really feels and sounds like a Metroid game. Um, I mean, it it was it's pretty overwhelming. It's actually just such a slick game, and like the way that the way that it, it handles, just the, the initial impact that has on you, you really think, wow, this is a, Nintendo know how to make a 2D Metroid. Like, this is solid. 
it's funny because it does start out like pretty much uh, like screen for screen the original Metroid, which is like you're down the elevator. What do you do? You go left first. And I think that's really crazy to think yeah. about, like because back then in the NES days, going left first was never a thing anyone did. You know, you you went from left to right. The original Mario Brothers doesn't even allow you to scroll back to the left. Like if you have scrolled past that screen space, it is set in stone and you can't go back on it. Um, and so the fact that this game was kind of positioning itself, at least the original Metroid is what I'm talking about here, the original Metroid positioned itself as something which was much more open and allowed you to kind of explore and go to different places on that kind of 2D side-scrolling environment, which I think was kind of revolutionary in many ways. And it it's interesting because that design is basically created so that you have to get the morph ball so that you can get through the areas coming up. And um, it's smart, it's cool, and I, I like that they just continue that. Like, from then, it does start to diverge, of course, and uh, become much more uh, manageable with the fact that you have a map in this game and the original Metroid didn't, and, like, the environments look much more distinctive because of the artwork that they can employ here. Um, but, yeah, certainly that hits me off the bat. I'm like, okay, yeah, they really are, like, having this as a homage. Uh, how do you feel about kind of the way that they introduced the story because i thought it was kind of cool like it felt like this diary entry style thing where samus is writing about it from a past perspective or future perspective should i say and throughout the game like there's not that much kind of spoken word at all it's just her kind of as if she was recalling the events yeah i mean it's these sort of almost slideshow cutscenes. they're not quite simply just slideshows they're sort of animation within those um screens which is i think it works really nicely actually it it doesn't take you out of the action but at the same time it sort of sets up what's going on to some degree um and it makes the game sort of run a lot smoother um especially compared to the 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 famously long cutscenes in a game like fusion right Um, yeah it, it was quite quite slick um I was going to point out one other thing that really hit me when I first started was like you can't even shoot your gun far enough. And, yes. like, I don't think that happens in like Super Metroid or Fusion. Like it's, no. it's like what I can't even reach. Like what is going on? And then like and that is something that is very distinctive about the original Metroid is that you like initially your gun doesn't even shoot far enough, which is it's just weird. Yeah, it like it goes like two things in front of you. It doesn't go like across the whole screen, which was a little jarring when I started out. I was like, wait a second, this doesn't feel like what this should feel like. Uh yeah, it's it's very pathetic. I think it's actually great because when you start out in Zero Mission, I think you feel the most weak that Samus has ever felt from the outset. Like she doesn't have the ability to grip onto ledges. She doesn't have the ability to high jump until quite late on. Like, there are lots of things about Samus early in Zero Mission that make her feel far more weak as a character. And so when you get to those power-ups, there is a greater sense of accomplishment, I think, um, especially with that tiny beam. So, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think the other thing for me in terms of first impressions was... I am a stickler, as you know, for, like, how well characters control, and I am very attuned to, like, the differences between various Mario Karts and how everything, like, feels to me. Um, Samus, to me, in this game, feels much heavier. She feels, like, much more weight behind her jumps, and she falls faster I think initially anyway, like later on, once you get more power up, she feels much more akin to the fusion version of her. Um, And I also think that like the screen seems much more zoomed in in this one. Like it feels 
that Fusion was a bit more of like a smaller version of her on the screen and you had a bit more space to work with, I think. Whereas this one feels like they kind of crammed it a bit more. I'm not sure maybe if that's because I'm playing on the gamepad and it's kind of upscaling it a little. But um, yeah, those are just a few things that kind of hit me off the bat. I was like, "Eh, yeah, I mean, it looks like Fusion, but it maybe isn't quite hitting the same feel as that. And of course, that's something that you don't really notice as much as I do. No, I... I yeah, I struggled to decipher the feel, to be honest, even between Super Metroid Fusion and this game. I think they all feel quite similar. I mean, if I if I play them back to back, I might feel some difference, but I definitely am less of a stickler when it comes to, 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 to game feel. Like Yes, maybe. yeah. Um, no, it's a, it's a huge aspect for me of any game is how well it feels to play. Um and uh, yeah, Zero Mission, it, it definitely gets better. It definitely gets better as you go on. But it, I think it was hard for me to kind of, um, you know, latch on to anything to begin with. So, How about we talk about something that's so crucial to Metroid games? Sure, let's talk about the loneliness of Metroid. The, loneliness. Um, the aesthetic, the atmosphere, all, all this stuff. Um, the game looks beautiful. I mean, it's a GBA game, so you would expect it to do so. Um, but what I feel it does is it takes a lot of those Super Metroid elements and injects some more color into them. You know, it feels a bit more of a vibrant game. It feels like this fun halfway house between what Fusion does, which is, I think some people might say garish in terms of the colors. Like, your first suit is yellow and blue and, like, bright and stands out like a sore thumb. Um, Whereas this, I think, sticks to that more traditional mold while having it feel a bit more... I don't know, less less oppressive. I don't I, I don't think that there was as much like feeling of loneliness despite the fact that you are on your own in this world. Yeah. No, I've I've definitely got some ideas behind why that is, but they definitely link to this email that we got okay, in from sure. Ryan. So I'll definitely mention after I've read this email. So Ryan says DMBZ and Bally, it's been a while since I played a 2D Metroid, and Zero Mission reminded me why I love them so much. I was surprised by the quick pace of the game, which is completely unlike the NES game. Exploring the world felt effortless, and I never got stuck anywhere for more than a few minutes. Even the stealth section towards the end of the game had you wall-jumping through rooms at top speed. The quick traversal and fun platforming sections in this game probably make it my favourite 2D Metroid when it comes to pure gameplay. However, the atmosphere of this game is nowhere near the level of Super Metroid. The cartoony art style and the overstated and repetitive music drag this game down. The music in Brinstar is especially annoying and I found myself listening to a podcast instead of uh, instead of the game as I played. What do you guys think about the music and art style in this game? Do you think they ruined the atmosphere? Thanks, Ryan. Interesting, uh, his perspective there, that he wasn't a big fan of the music, as you saying you were, Ali. Um, Do you think he has a good point, though, in terms of... I think there's much less of kind of that ambient noise, you know? Like, I feel like games like Prime and many areas of Super Metroid are associated much less with, like, distinctive actual um themes musically and more with just kind of these noises and tones and kind of just ambient stuff going on around you. Yeah, I think... I really do agree with Ryan. I I think that um, I agree with him far more on the art style than the music. I'll talk about art style quickly and then music. But art style, I really think that um, Super Metroid stands out versus Zero Mission and Fusion in terms of atmosphere. And 
and in terms of art style, it's just a darker game. The the color palette is just better for a Metroid game, in my opinion. As much as I, I think Fusion can get away with it because it's so fast paced it's not really trying to do atmosphere as much it's much yeah. more it's almost like a boss run you know it's, it's super yeah. fast paced super linear super everything uh whereas this game and it's very easy to say this but it is it is somewhere between super metroid and um fusion it is it is exploration based but at the same time it's more linear and i feel like the elements where they're trying to be like super metroid fall a bit flat like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel atmospheric because of yes the music and but mainly in my opinion the art style because i think a game like prime which has incredible music it gets it right and i think super metroid does this well as well is where there are certain areas that that where there's less tension there's just less tension and the music in general is louder it's more colorful it's more bright it's more poppy it's it's nicer it's this sort of quite positive music whereas when you get to the darker more tension-filled areas of a game like super metroid or prime the music does cut out and it does there's much more emphasis on sound design and effects and things like that and this game doesn't really try to do that and i can appreciate where ryan's coming from and saying that it kind of takes you out of it a bit It, it there was no point where there felt like much tension to me in this game. And I can definitely say that both with Super Metroid and Prime, there was absolutely heaps of tension throughout large parts of that game. I'm sure we'll come back to the question of tension when we talk about the Zero Suit section, which uh, I feel is is very interesting um, as a part of this game. But mm. um, I think maybe a question to bring up, Bally, then is, do you think that because this game was built for a handheld as opposed to Super Metroid being focused on the big screen experience, that that's why they decided to pull back on those elements? Because I think that there is this idea of there's less engagement with a handheld game. There's not as many people who are going to commit to putting headphones in and everything. And a lot of people will be playing on the go and having noise around them of the world like do you think that that is perhaps a reason why it lacks some yeah. of that punch? Yeah, no, I think it's a number of factors. Um, and we've said on the show before that, you know, that original Game Boy Advance didn't have that backlight. And it was very crucial that you were able to see the environments and the design. And, and having a color palette like Super Metroid on a Game Boy Advance without a backlight would look really murky and difficult to see. Um, so I can appreciate why the art, design might be as bright and poppy as as it is um it's just once you're playing with a backlight um and start comparing it to the eeriness of super metroid i can appreciate that it does fall a bit flat yeah no absolutely i i'm a big fan of it honestly i as someone who really likes the color palette and the poppiness of fusion um i actually appreciate that more um i i think that there's you know room and stuff for that atmospheric uh, you know kind of design aesthetic but i uh, i have no issue with you know the more cartoony the more fun you know poppy vibrant stuff so um i, I think ryan was talking more about the music and wasn't being a fan of it right and it's interesting because i think lots of people aren't fans of the gba sound chip i think it's not you know it doesn't do a great job of getting across uh, a lot of the nuances of, of these tunes but you know the nes didn't have the most amazing sound chip either and i think they're really cribbing on that soundtrack for this game um so that's probably why it feels maybe a bit more repetitive and, and that kind of stuff um 
I personally really like the music. It's it's not something that I had to have on all the time, and I know you did this as well, but I was listening to podcasts and stuff while playing this game and had videos on in the background and everything, and I, I don't think I've really missed anything. And I think that as that does, sorry, have a lot to do with the fact that being less atmospheric, I don't think you need the music as much to kind of, you know, prop it up. I mean, I've been doing, I've done this for lots of games in the last, few months to be honest is i'll have a podcast in one year and then i'll blare out the the sound from the gamepad or the tv or my 3ds um so i was playing this whole game on the gamepad so i'd blare the sound out of there and yeah listen to a podcast in one year so i would try to appreciate i would always try to hear what theme is coming in at when and try to have an understanding of how the music is designed throughout the game and yeah like i said before it it, it just the tunes are great. I I think in terms of wanting some Metroid tunes to like think about, it, it's the best Metroid by a long way, actually. But in terms of, like I said before, atmosphere, it, it does, it does, it could, it could have done more. Absolutely. Uh, so should we move on then to kind of talking more about the nuts and bolts of the game, its structure mm. and all all that stuff? It's interesting we mentioned before, like, the fact that this game is a halfway house between Fusion and Super Metroid in the sense that it's definitely much more linear of a game. Um, You have the Chozo statues, which I think are really interesting because initially I was a little annoyed to the fact that the save rooms didn't recharge your health or the fact that there was no kind of recharge room equivalent in this game. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. The Chozos, even if you leave the room, like, allow you to recharge. So they still have the kind of recharge charge room structure but i think it's really great because they build it into the world in more of a kind of um believable way and it's not just hey it's a space station so we have a recharge room it's like the chozo as a part of this environment are helping samus in that sense and giving the upgrades but also acting as a way for her to get her health back um and then there are different chozo statues which kind of point the way for you um and i think it's interesting because they do tell you where to go, but you still have to figure out what you need to do to get there. Like, is there a speed boost that needs to be done? Is there something where there's a hidden door or a hidden block that I need to shoot out to get down to this lower area? And I think I remember playing this game on the emulator and getting to a point, I think around Norfair, and not knowing where to go to get down to the further reaches of it and kind of, um, you know, find where i wanted to to go next because the thing was flashing but i still needed to discover like the hidden room that allowed me to get there um how do you feel about this kind of more linear structure in in zero mission i I like it actually i think it's really fast paced and a, a game like super metroid there i i spent without going to a guide most of the time i spent in super metroid just tons of time just looking around trying to work out where i need to shoot where that hole is in in the ground and working out how to get to the next area i i didn't get stuck once with this game i used a guide literally once in this entire game Um, wow and it was it was you probably remember this part but there's an area with like these larvae right and there's one larva to get out of the room, you have to defeat all the enemies. And to defeat this larva, you basically have to shoot it along using missiles and then quickly roll up into a into Morph Ball and bomb the route back and let the larva walk onto the bombs. 
Yes. That, yeah. In fact, this was the point at which I got stuck in my first run through on the emulator. I remember as soon as I got <laughs> to that thing, I was like, fuck, I remember not knowing what the hell to do here. And uh, it came back to me. You still don't know what to do. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it came back to me. I was like, oh, wait a second. If I think about this, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But it's, it's weird because, um, and maybe we can bring up this email here, but I originally, I think, went down to that area far before i was supposed to like before i had beaten craid and done all that stuff i finally found myself in that lava area somehow through some weird sequence break um so let's maybe bring that up uh former's email here bally Hey MBZ and Bally, I had been thinking about replaying Zero Mission for a while, but the podcast pushed me over the edge and I dove back into Zero Mission again. The last time I played it was about six or seven years ago, so I didn't remember absolutely everything about it. I did remember a few little sequence breaks you could do, like early energy tank and screw attack, which made it all the more enjoyable to go through and see what I could do this time around. Zero Mission is one of the strongest in the series in that regard. It and Super Metroid give you so much freedom in where you can go and what you can do. It's just as great on a replay as it was on my first run. My question for the two of you is, if you could go back to Zero Mission or Super in the future, do you think you'll be on the lookout for sequence breaks? Keep up the good work, former. Well, it's interesting because I have... I don't think I have ever played Super Metroid and not sequence broken it because I actually don't really know the correct path through the game. There's this area early on where you have these spikes underneath this like long jump gap but if you manage to wall jump off the side of the wall that you're jumping towards and then back on top of a ledge into a door you can get i think it's the wave beam early i can't remember exactly what upgrade it is but you get some upgrade early and that's the way i have done it both times i've played through the game and i actually don't know what the real path is and i think that's a cool thing about super metroid is like you can break all this shit and yet it doesn't ruin the game the game doesn't like explode because of the fact that you've gone to an area you weren't supposed to yet um and i don't know i find find that fascinating i think zero mission i didn't really find any this time but it's something that i'm always fascinated by and i think that's one of the main things that makes these games so interesting to watch from a speed running point of view is the fact that there are so many ways to get through areas that don't seem like they were necessarily intended by the developers and yet they're still possible um so yeah i i actually would like to know like what are the sequence breaks in zero mission i may not go for them myself but i'd be really interested in actually understanding how they work and what kind of the breaks you can put into the game are i mean i i'm not the biggest fan of sequence breaks and i'm very much you know love games to be played the way they're meant to be played i'm not a big guy into like you know the cheat codes and all that stuff back in the day but um there was one area quite early on in the game before you even have the ability to hold on to ledges yes. where I kind of got myself caught in an area that's like designed where you're meant to u- have the ability to grab onto ledges. But I was just bomb jumping to like right. get to all these places. And it was a massive pain in the ass to be honest because <laughs> I sort of went down this corridor uh, and there's like a couple of missile upgrades that I got and then it's a dead end and i'm like great so i had to like go all the way back through using my sort of broken method of bomb jumping back and it kind of frustrated me that the game allowed me to do that because i was only about 20 minutes away from 
the ability to hold on to ledges and it was just a bit frustrating to be honest but yeah i i, I don't know how to feel about it you see i actually love that i love that oh, the I game like i love that the game allows you to get back though that's the fascinating thing about it is like you can get yourself it, but it was hard and glitchy and i had to time bomb jumps and it wasn't fun Right, but here's where I come back at you. This is the game where the bomb jump is the easiest it has ever been. As someone who is aware of the bomb jump, bomb jump uh, advanced technique, it is... Well, I, maybe I shouldn't call it an advanced technique because it's not that advanced. But it is by far the easiest to time. And I just found myself using it consistently. There is a very early area where there's an energy tank that's hidden in the ceiling... And you basically just have to shoot at the ceiling to uncover it. And if you bomb jump well enough, you manage to get that energy tank early. And that's probably why I ended up with more energy tanks than you did, because I found all these secret ones. Um, But I got it, and I was like, holy shit, that was great. The fact that I didn't need to wait for the high jump, I didn't need to wait, wait for the space jump to get this thing. I can just use this kind of not necessarily built into the game trick to get through it. And I love that about this game. The bomb jump is made so much easier and the timing just works and it clicked with me and I got missile tanks early and I got that energy tank early and there was a bunch of things where I was like, okay, I can't quite do this yet. It was even to the point that like I had the spring ball ability because I think you get that Maybe when you get the bombs, I'm not sure when it is, but you can jump as a morph ball whenever you want. Yeah, and it was I know, that's kind of cool. a long time afterwards before I realized, hey, I can actually just jump as the morph ball yeah, because I was same. bomb jumping my way through everything. Yeah. Um, that was the way that I, I found it working, and I thought it was great. So, yeah, I, I really like that that aspect of it. Um, do you think then, you know, talking about you getting stuck then? Was there much obscurity that you found in the design in terms of where to go next? I think there are some things we can get a little bit caught up on, like certain hidden blocks that require kind of the original Legend of Zelda-esque kind of just, you know, just spamming missiles and, and um, you know, beams across the room to find your way through. Or even, like, them tricking you with the fact that some of this lava isn't actually lava and you yeah, fall through it and yeah. <laughs> it's just a place you actually need to go. Uh, how did you find that stuff? I I actually really liked it. There were, there were points where I would get stuck for a few minutes, but it, it, it's just... Uh, that's part of 2D Metroid in my view. It's just like pummeling your, your beams across the room, trying to trying to jump in lava, even if you think you're going to take damage, just risk it, like, you know, and just go for it. And I think there were just some awesome little designs in, in and around that where, for example, very early on in the game, there, there are these little parasites that you see bobbing along and then they yes. like attach themselves to you. And you're like, oh, that's really annoying. How do I get him off? And then late, a little later, lots of them like go on you. And then all of a sudden there's loads on you and they start doing damage to you. And you're like, whoa. And it's like, that's a neat little progression to get to that. And then you realize like, oh, to get them off, I need to use a bomb. And then on the, it gets even better because then there are these barriers that look like, they look like the standard barriers from, you know, fusion where you got to use a certain type of missile but actually all you have to do is lead the parasites to that barrier and they miraculously just kind of 
come off you and start eating away at the barrier until they break it. And I just thought that was such a cool, like, very thematic um, way of progressing in a Metroid game. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, it's such smart design as well, especially because they first, you know, they teach you about the fact that these guys can attach to you. Then they show you uh, in like a very direct way a situation where you go into a room and they're destroying stuff right in front of you. And then you get to a situation where it's like, okay, there's a thing that I know that these guys can destroy. There aren't any around. Let me explore a bit. You find some, make sure they attach to you, and then you basically bring them from one room to another to destroy that barrier and it's like it's not even a power-up that you gain but it is this weird progression of taking a mechanic and building on it in order to kind of you know press forward and i think there are a lot of interesting little things like that like different new mechanics that this game implements um that we've not really seen before in metroid games like i think about the um kind of the conveyor belt things which you attach yourself to and sometimes in order to get past a thing you need to be a morph ball instead and, and there is a boss fight that uses that did you think for ages like what are these rails like why can't i activate them and like you can because you can attach yourself to them but you don't move on them until you activate that thing right so no, I, for, I i don't think i did i think i kind of activated straight away on the first one so i because i explored that entire area like all the different rails uh. and then i was like getting quite stuck and then eventually i went back to the area where you activate it and then all of a sudden did all the rooms again i was like oh mm. so yeah I, I think sometimes like when it comes to the the fire which disappears there's also areas where um i think is it down in south of norfair where you go all the way down there to activate something and then to get back up you have to find this hidden path which gets your morph ball into those um, sort of rocket things where you yeah yeah there's one there's a few of those in the game that you have to use to get back to the right area you're right yes yeah they're, they're sometimes quite tough to find i agree but yeah it was actually like it's in an area that basically as soon as you walk through it the it becomes invisible and like disappears in front of you and I understand, like, it, I, I feel like there could be a better way to do that as opposed to, like, there's also a door later on in, I think it's Chizodia, which is the area where you're the Zero Suit, where there's a That's save a great room. great name, isn't it? Chizodia. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a save room, which, like, the the thing only opens up when you go near it, and, like, yeah. it, it appears as if it's a wall, but actually it just is, goes invisible, and it's like, oh, by the way, here's a save room. It's like, well... That could have been made easier for me. And that's even after you have, like, the map data, which is weird. So, yeah, like, yeah. there's still so many secret rooms after you have map data, which is always... Yeah, that's, uh, that's a very similar thing to Fusion, where the map data gives you kind of the basic bones of the map, and then you find, the, like, the green areas, which are, like, the off, um, off-map, off like, kind of hidden stuff, which is nice because it still leaves that ability to explore, despite the fact that you know a lot of the areas already. Mm. Um, yeah. which I appreciated. I thought was was very nice and very cool. Um, How about another email? Uh, sure, let's take one of the, the next emails. So we have an email from Alex. Dear MBZ and Bally, first off, I just want to say thank you for doing this part of Backlog Club and forcing me to play Zero Mission because I really and truly enjoyed it. Unfortunately, due to time constraints, 
constraints, I wasn't able to beat the game before the show, but all I have played so far has been super fun. While the sense of exploration and isolation that are often praised when discussing a Metroid game were cool and added to my experience, I think my favorite aspect was finding the upgrades. The ability to overcome the obstacles that were put in my way with my increasingly varied array of weapons and upgrades gave me a strong feeling of becoming more powerful, which was really satisfying. I also really like that the game rewards you for going out of your way to explore and blowing stuff up by giving you things like energy tanks and missiles, which in turn made me feel more powerful. Overall, I had a really fun and positive experience with the game. Now that I have my first Metroid game under my belt, I will most definitely be playing more in the future, and I'm sure I'll tell you all about it. Thanks for everything, Alex, who is also at AtariAlex on Twitter, if you want to give him a follow. Excellent. Well, it's it's good to hear people just getting into the franchise for the first time, which is uh, really cool. And um, I think, yeah, for most people, like that progression system that is kind of built into the core of every Metroid game of uh, getting upgrades and making yourself stronger is it's just it's like in an RPG where you're, you know, you're getting experience and you're leveling up, you're making yourself stronger. Right. And um, that's what Samus does. This is how she makes herself stronger. Um, I. I think, like, there's not too much that deviates, though. I think maybe if I was going to have one criticism of Zero Mission is, like, obviously it has to stick to that blueprint of the original Metroid, but there's not really much experimentation when it comes to new upgrades. Like, I think one of the coolest things about Fusion is the Diffusion Missile, which has that ice ability to it, but then it has this spread effect that kind of Mm. allows you to get multiple things frozen at the same time. Um, There's not really that here. Like, it doesn't really seem to deviate all that much um did did you think that was an issue or do you think it was kind of fine sticking with the base stuff i I don't know i mean i i i don't really decipher too much between the 2d metroids the way that they upgrade i think they all feel relatively similar i mean obviously super metroids got crazy items like the the grapple beam and stuff but i think other than that in general i think they feel quite quite similar um so yeah i I thought the up the way that the upgrades come in this game is quite nice and consistent, and it feels like it feels like there are more of them for some reason. I don't know if that's true or not. It just feels like there's Chozo statues everywhere. Well, I think the way that they do that is, as I said at the beginning, you feel much less powerful, and so you have yeah. to get things like the longer beam and the higher jump and the. Um... God, what is it? I can't remember. There's there's multiple things that you need to get, which in other games I think are more just givens um, yeah. as opposed to here where it's just like it stacks stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I for me, like I appreciate that stacking nature of it where you have the ice beam and then you get the next one, you stack it on top of the the, the uh, thing you previously had before. Like it becomes the wave version of that and you have the charge. Like um, I think in super metroid you can turn stuff on and off which is actually a really nice thing um but it doesn't really make much sense for the handheld version where you have much more limited button inputs and all that stuff so um mm. yeah it's it's good stuff i think um yeah I, I like the chozos as as the things that give you the items um it's just and you know it's another contextual thing but it's always kind of a more surprising like you enter a room and you shoot the thing and it's like oh what am i going to get out of it this time um, feels like you're kind of opening a present, maybe. In that I quite aspect. liked those um, those sort of unknown items that you would get occasionally from Chozo, and they just allow you to blast specific um, Chozo blocks. 
uh, I thought those were quite sort of mysterious and um, and, and, and and strange. And you know the the great thing about that, and I think this is probably my favorite thing about this game when it comes to upgrades, is for the whole game you have these unknown items, these three abilities and you're like well i don't know what these are they're like in a weird language they need to be translated or whatever and you get to the end point uh, of the chozo area with the zero suit and after you fight that boss all of those unknown items suddenly activate and out of nowhere you get the gravity suit the space jump and the plasma beam and it's like holy fucking shit like you you go from (laughs) i didn't even realize that i thought they were separate no, no, that's the thing. Like the, all those unknown items just uh, activate at that point, and it's like, mm. oh my god! Like all of a sudden, I have just gone from the zero suit, like pathetic thing, to god mode, and just starting to rampage. I think it's interesting because, for me, I like the way Fusion positions the space jump before the screw attack because the space jump gives you great mobility through certain areas, and there are parts in the game where I wanted to get an upgrade, but I would always save state before getting it because otherwise I'd fall down through the floor, have to go back up, back through another room, and not having the space jump to do that um, really annoyed me. Uh, And I thought, like, you know, why is it that Super Metroid and Zero Mission give you the screw attack first? But then you get to that point at the end, and I'm like, okay, well, I kind of see why they did that, why they held back this kind of all-powerful thing, because now you are this literal ball of death that just floats through and destroys everything. Although, having said that, one of my kind of buzzkills at the end of the game was you get all these abilities, and then they introduce an enemy which you can't just screw attack and kill in one hit, which is the black space pirates, which you still have to beam. And it's like, oh, I mean... I get why they do that, so that there's still kind of a challenging enemy that is in this game. But also, I would rather just be so fucking overpowered that I didn't have to worry about that anymore. And unfortunately, they don't do that, and, um, you know, it's whatever. Um, yeah. So, what can you do? Nothing you can, I guess. Um, yeah, but you kind of felt like you were going for more collectibles and hidden stuff this time. Do you feel like it was easier for you to understand and find that stuff? Because for me, I feel like I have this Metroid sense where if I see that... (laughs) Spider-Man right here. Yeah, if I see that hollow circle and I'm in that room, I'm like, okay, there must be a way for me to get this right now. So I need to, like, fucking shoot everything, bomb jump, go for all these weird, crazy solutions, try and find an invisible hole. And I consistently did that throughout the game as soon as I came across... Uh, an area where I knew there was an upgrade. Would you consistently, like, if you saw an upgrade, try and get it, or would you just yeah. run past them sometimes? No, I would. I would always try and get them. But w- what I maybe could have done more of, and I probably could have pumped up my completion rate from forty nine percent to maybe high fifties, would have been like a lot more backtracking. Like there were yeah. definitely there are clearly like doors and parts of previous areas of the world that are designed where you, the, the standard metroid thing you get your weapon you come back to the area before and like there are definitely things i could have done um and gone back and gotten maybe a few more health upgrades or missiles and i i don't know i just i just wanted to keep going on forward and i would get i got all my 49 percent items i got them all from just uh plowing on forward and i didn't okay. do a ton of backtracking so i could if i played the game again i'd probably try and go back maybe a bit more 
Yeah, I definitely did quite a bit of backtracking. Um, after beating Ridley, like, your next port of call is just to go through the door to Mother Brain, right? And I thought, like, there's quite a lot of Norfair that's unexplored here. I'm going to run through real quick and see if I can pick up some stuff. And it, it definitely helped me quite a bit. I, I uncovered, you know, extra missiles and super missiles and things that would help me at the end of that game. I will say, I, I think the super missile might be a little overpowered here. Like, it feels like that packs a huge punch. On as certain opposed bosses, to I just one. absolutely wailed. And we're going to talk about bosses later. But, yes. yeah, it was super, super, super powerful. Absolutely. Kicking some teeth in and, uh, yeah, knocking doors down. So, Bali, let's move on then to um, the big bads of this game, uh, as they call them, the bosses. The mini-bosses, uh, all the big fights that you have to undertake. Um, how did you feel about the stuff that this game presented you with? Because I think it's definitely the least number of like significant big obstacles that you have to get past uh, in this game compared to uh, you know, the other titles. Yeah, I think... There's definitely a lack of bosses that feels more similar to Super Metroid, obviously, but it they 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 feel more they do feel like Super Metroid. They do feel quite epic once you get to them. Um, I think the bosses in this game are pretty easy, and like they are a fucking cakewalk. Yeah. I, so I walk into the room with Ridley, and I remember the trials and tribulations I had in Super Metroid fighting him, <laughs> yep. and how tough he Famous. was. And I walk in and I just fucking pummel his face with missiles. And before I know it, he's dead. And I was like, really? Really? Like, I was floored by how easily I just came in and just absolutely fried him. Like, he was not a trouble at all. Craid, I think, took a bit more time because Craid has animation cycles that Mm. you have to get through. And you have to, like, there's this micromanagement which goes on with Craid where he's throwing (laughs) a lot of stuff at you which you simultaneously need to get out of the way of and then also position yourself to missile his face to open the mouth and then to get it into the mouth after that, all while keeping all this other stuff kind of under management. So I think in that sense, like it made you work for it a bit more. But when you think about it, like, there's kind of endless health and missile respawns because he's sending all this shit at you. So it's never actually that tough. And um, and Ridley, like, before you go into the fight, it gives you a free energy tank, doesn't it? At least I remember is what happens. You go into that room. Yes, it's really weird. It's like the only time I can remember that in any Metro game I've played. And... I did. I think I posted this on Meverse, but yeah, you get the energy tank before, and I think I was up to maybe four by that point. 
Yeah, no, it it was uh, it was definitely curious. It kind of was like this thing is easy, but let's make it even easier for you. And I was, I don't know, I, I don't know how to feel about it. But I think it's interesting because that Ridley isn't actually the final Ridley of the game. Like because you have the Mecha Ridley fight at the very end, which in itself isn't actually that tough. Like I don't know, it it felt weird. I found it tougher, but I had fewer energy tanks than you. I also had fewer super missiles than you. Yeah. Um, and I think Meta Mecha Ridley similar to Creed. You, is a process of learning the animations and trying to work around that. Um, so yeah, I think Mecha really was the toughest for me, but still nowhere near like some of the levels of Fusion and Super Metroid where some of those bosses are so tough. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really did feel like you didn't have to worry about that stuff being an obstacle. And in in a way, like it made the game feel much quicker and smoother and easier to jump from thing to thing when you don't have this instance of like, you know, there have been times like when I was playing Castlevania Circle of the Moon and I got stuck on that fucking massive goat head boss that was just insatiable. Like it was super fucking hard so i put that game down for like a week and didn't come back to it until later like that's the sort of stuff that can get you hung up in games like this and i think i actually do appreciate the fact that it makes it frictionless that you don't have to worry about that stuff as much and um you know the fact that those super missiles are just so crazy overpowered like each hit on mecha ridley like it seemed like his color changed every time i hit a super missile which like the color change thing is supposed to indicate like you're getting closer and closer to finishing Mm. them off right and if one super missile is doing that much damage it's kind of crazy i'm I'm interested into like if the hard mode of this game ramped things up to the point where you can't do that stuff as much where it takes more hits maybe or you take more damage i'm not sure the way they implement it but that was one of the funny things like when i started this game it's like oh wait it's giving me an option between easy and normal like i don't recall that being in any previous metroid games like having different difficulty modes uh being offered to you yeah, that that was a bit weird. I mean, I definitely played it on normal, but I, I, I can't really see why you would pick easy. I don't know. Yeah, no, it was it was easy enough on normal, so uh, that that was kind of interesting. How did you feel about the, the mini-boss stuff then? Because I think those are a bit more frequent. The great thing, I think, is like the way they introduce that stuff with the first eyeball dude, where you're just literally just running through a corridor, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, oh, you're in a boss fight that, right now. That was... That that was the only time I was like, Ugh! like shocked, and like yeah. the music hits you hard, and the animation, and I, that boss is quite. That's maybe one of the harder bosses, to be honest, because at the start of the game you're so ill prepared to face it, and then all of a right. sudden it just hits you, and it's a boss that I didn't actually, you don't actually beat, or I didn't actually beat until well into the game when it like comes back when you're going back through that area, and then that's. You get some crucial item from it. I've forgotten what it is now. See, wait, is is it the same boss that where you use the um, conveyor belts? Is that the same one, or is that a different worm? Because I don't know if they're the same or if they're different. See, I think I I thought that was the same worm. Okay, I yeah, I can't. I don't know if they're different or if they're the same. But yeah, you kind of like fight a worm thing twice. Um, yeah. I definitely think the first one has more impact. The second one, like, is very predictable and easy to avoid and Mm. not very difficult at all. Again, like, kind of sticking with this theme of just, like, not giving much of a challenge to you. Um, It it just kind of goes along those lines. After that first worm, which is the first sort of boss, mini-boss of the game, whatever you want to call it, 
I was thinking, God, these bosses in this game are going to be so tough. Like, I'm, I was quite, <laughs> I was like, oh god, these are going to be like absolute Metroid Fusion level. And there were loads of bosses I struggled with quite a lot on, with Fusion. So I was yeah. like, God. But it turned out it was pretty simple. Uh, and I, I what like what do you think of the boss design? I mean, Craig and Ridley are su- and Mother Brain for that matter, and Mecha Ridley. They're all in other games. Like, do you yeah. think? Did you like their their design this this time round? No, uh, I think that's probably the weakest element. Unfortunately, like I don't think they're smart at all. Ridley is just a rerun of Super Metroid, which again I don't think it's. This, Ridley is probably the most least in, the most least that well done me uh, the least interesting <laughs> boss from a design standpoint I think in every Metroid game maybe barring the Prime series but like the fact that he's just flying about and you just pummel missiles into his face it's you know it's whatever there's no real like trick to it it's just survive longer than he does essentially yeah. and then you get to Kraid and Kraid is basically the same as he was in Super yeah. Metroid Mother Brain is the rerun of the original Metroid Mother Brain boss it's yeah. all just cribbing from stuff that already exists which is why I think the mini boss is actually kind of interesting because they use those new elements like the conveyor belt stuff um, so yeah it, it was kind of those were more surprising to me but still nothing that like stood out i didn't think yeah i i agree um bosses aren't an amazing element of this game and if you want no. if you want epic fights with these characters you know create ridley and mother brain super metro just beats it hands down i think both in like the way that those bosses are are portrayed and how difficult they are and the, and the timing that they come in the game yeah, I, really, honestly, the thing that was the toughest in this game was probably the lead-up to Mother Brain, where the real boss is, which is the fucking Metroids. Like, that yes. whole gauntlet <laughs> of the Metroids, where you have to freeze them, then just pummel them with missiles and hope they don't unfreeze, freeze them again, make sure they stand in place, and there's, like, five of them around you at the same time, and it's just, like, this micromanagement of hell, of just, <laughs> fuck, 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 my health is going down, these Metroids are grabbing me, I bombed it, but it still caught me in midair again, I can't get out, like, it is just just a fucking nightmare to deal with those things and i actually thought mother brain was probably the toughest boss um overall like because there are all these rogue elements that you have to keep managing um and you fall into the lava which by that point you don't have the gravity suit so it's much slower and more sluggish to get out of it like that whole gauntlet was really it felt to me like kind of a difficulty spike actually because everything else up to then had really just not troubled me in any way and all of a sudden it's like shit you need to be like focused here and paying attention because those metroids will rip you to shreds and that bit of the game is very much a gauntlet like you said the the it's completely linear just a corridor that wraps its way around until you get to mother brain and it's literally just right here's one metroid now here's two metroids now here's three and it just piles them in tougher and tougher and like you said that The definition of Gauntlet, like that room that Mother Brain is in, which is like Super Metroid, obviously, but it's 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 tough, like just stuff flying at you. And maybe this is a silly gripe to have because it's obviously a remake of of um, Metroid and not Super Metroid. Is that like once you defeat Mother Brain, there's not that you know Tyrannosaurus Rex version of Mother Brain, you know? Oh it's yes, just, it's just the <laughs> it's just the Mother Brain in the in the casket in the well glass test it has to be it has to be so i guess it does but yeah Yeah. i mean i think like that section in particular was a godsend for save states just just like i wasn't abusing them during fights or anything it's just before you enter the final mother boss uh, mother brain sorry gauntlet 
you have an area where you can kind of grind for health and grind for missiles. I think, like, it was well handled in this game that before every boss fight, you have, like, a green pipe or a red pipe that spits out enemies uh, that allows you to kind of grind your health back. And these were used in Super Metroid. They weren't in Fusion because of the recharge rooms and stuff. But I really appreciate having those there um, and allowing you to make sure you have what you need going into the fight and not needing to search around for a Chozo statue to heal yourself and then trying to get back without taking enough damage. And it actually was a smart design choice to implement those, you know, those monster spawn pipes, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, those are very Super Metroid. Um, yeah, the, it's. I think overall, like with this boss stuff, it's it's definitely the most underwhelming aspect of Zero Mission um but to some degree like i kind of appreciate that they are you know as i said before frictionless and just allow you to enjoy what i think this game excels at which is like that moment to moment that exploration and and you know just running through and finding stuff which is really um you know that's what metroid is all about um Shall but we yeah, do I guess... another email, or shall we yeah, talk let's... about the zero suit parts? Well, let's uh, let's go for this email because I think it talks about maybe you know some boss stuff and ending stuff um, that kind of escape sure. sequence. So we've got stuff. an email from Simon, who's from the Netherlands. Dear MBZ and Bali, I just finished Zero Mission. It took me 6 hours and 19 minutes on normal with 57% of the items collected. This was the first Metroid game I finished. I beat Mecha Ridley with only 6 energy containers and when I made my final escape they were all gone. I had 47 units left so it was quite a challenge. I had 25 left so there you go. <laughs> yeah. 25. I failed that bit a couple of times actually. I oh wow, reset. wow. Yeah. Anyway, most of the time I spent on looking for exits as opposed to shooting stuff, which I didn't like. The Metroid series is basically sp Space Invaders the platformer, so I hope a future entry will feature lots more shooting and hopefully we get to fly that spaceship for once. Love the show, Simon. That's the thing I've never thought about before. Is like I actually like at the end of Zero Mission when you're escaping in that ship, I was like, are we gonna are we gonna control the ship for a second <laughs> i was like is, is that gonna happen because it kind of looks like it for a little bit uh and then i was like oh man that would be really cool wouldn't it like being able to control samus's ship in certain segments like i think yeah. that could be crazy town and really awesome i mean the end game ship is is the space pirate ship it's not samus's yes it's ship, not hers but yeah no that's true Just gotta get the law right MBZ. obviously law. yes no i know i know i appreciate that um but yeah no i how did you feel about like you know the escape sequences maybe because there are a couple of them um, I, it's it's a tradition that's kind of harked back throughout yeah, the series. Yeah, I thought the the one after Mother Brain is simple enough, but I've struggled a bit with the other one. Like those, I think it's especially because they put those black space that's pirates it. at that, the end. It literally without those black space pirates, it'd be fine and it'd be nice and better design. But they're also just in such a little narrow area it's like yeah you're very, so cramped up once you're down there and you're fighting them and they take a lot of shots and it's just like why did you put these in this area at the end of the game like just just 
put some regular Space Pirates to blast through there. I thought that was a really poor decision. And also, yes, I was using save states to restart the timed bit, but if you're playing this game without save states, you go back to before Me- Mecha Ridley. And yeah. like, that's a lot of game to get through. Just uh, it's not, I don't think it's that and... bad, honestly, especially because Mecha Ridley isn't really a tough boss. Um, but I appreciate, yes, I, I, well, I do I would... think that it's, it's one of the things that people get maybe hung up on is like the fact that you beat the final boss and then they ask you to do another thing. Like, the end of Fusion is even worse because you beat the final boss and then you fight another boss. Like, you fight um, the Omega Metroid at the end, although they come and give you your health all the way back again. So True, and I would say, like, you should maybe try fighting Mecha Ridley with six energy tanks and then do eh. that bit. And it, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, no, I appreciate um, that. I, I was more well-equipped, I think, to survive the end uh, segment. So The Zero Suit sense. segment... Yeah, let's, let's, so let's talk about this, because I think this is a really fascinating part of this game, that they added on a whole new area that wasn't part of the original. What would you rate it out of 10? Um, I don't do numbers, Bally. <laughs> I, I, um, I'll just put this out there. I didn't really like it very much. Really? Interesting. I So for me, I think the Zero Suit section is fascinating, because it brings back those moments of tension and, uh, you know, excitement and thrill of the sax infusion where this thing Mm. is way more fucking powerful than you if it sees you it will murder you really quickly and you just need to get the hell out of there and this was basically the same thing but just a whole area based around and i think it's really cool because it changes the way you play metroid like it turns it from an action adventure game into a stealth experience and Mm. it really like I found it kind of, you know, a, a rush to, if I was spotted, to just, like, fucking, holy shit, I need to leg out of here, I need to go, where the hell am I going to go, oh my god, I need to get out yeah, of here. Yeah, like, yeah. that stuff, I think, was so well handled, um, and, like, <laughs> you have these certain areas where you escape the space pirates, and you're, like, hiding in this corner, and then they stop in the room, and then you wait for them to walk out again. So, so reminiscent of the SAX for me. I, I I'm surprised... You're saying it's as stealthy as you just said because you described it as something different. And I, this is my problem with it, is that it's it's big, bigged up as this, oh, the nice cool little stealth section at the end of the game. It hardly feels like stealth to me and more just feels like hit and run. Like it's more just like, oh, I'm cool. Well, I think it's how you play it. And I think it's how uh, talented, I guess, you are at not being spotted because there are certainly sections in the game uh, or in this this area where you can get through without being spotted. Of course, there are also parts where no, like, exactly. you There's... basically have to yes. be chased by you them. You have to do hit and run. There yeah. are mandatory stuff, but there is a large portion where you can just slyly sneak your way through and not alert the alarm. Yeah, but I just wish it was all stealth and like stealth done properly. And yeah. I also think there's not... When you are running from your hit and run, there's not enough... Um, there's not enough... Uh, hidden areas to avert their gaze and I I think it's I think the game is better as a result of it I just don't think it I just think the area could have been designed a little bit better I I, I think yeah. it's 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 weird it's different it's it's unusual uh, it's not it's cool seeing like loads of space pirates like because you see so few throughout the game and then all of a sudden it's like wow bam but um and I love and I love the 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 juxtaposition between 
being so weak and and stealth running through all this bit and then all of a sudden you get your suit back and just annihilate like that is super yeah. satisfying and it's great and you know that that was almost like the reason why they put in the zero suit bit is because they wanted to have that you know that injection of power that gets you to the end of the game and like that that's always a great feeling in metroid uh when on those escape sequences as well as like other parts where you're just like boom i'm powerful let's go let's do this I think this is kind of uh, a thing that Nintendo used throughout their games, like lots of times where they will depower you for certain segments and make you play the game differently. Skyward Sword comes to mind, the segment where you lose all your items in, in the Elden Volcano <laughs> and you have to kind of like slowly walk around. For- and... Forsaken Fortress. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like there are lots of like Zelda definitely cribs from this style. Um, I think this is one of the best implementations of it personally. I don't think that the stealth stuff in Zelda is particularly well handled. I think it's fine. I I think Forsaken Fortress is better than this stuff. I'll eh, be honest. I I well that's because be you're honest. just. Uh, let's also uh, remind people that you're a Wind Waker fanboy, so let's not take everything. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm sure people who have played both games might share my opinion, but, but yeah. do do let us know. But I, sure. I, I just, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's a weird. I don't. It's quite hard to describe how I feel about that bit of the game. Um, I think I think the whole aesthetic of the Chozo area that you access through that and there's there's also like an extra sort of mini boss which is a really weird one it's like a chozo ghost almost but right like it's it's samus like running herself and you have to wait till it flashes and then like shoot that bit like that was actually pretty tough like i was was almost died on it um but um yeah no that that, i i actually i agree i think like the whole kind of pseudo egyptian nature of all these like etchings and carvings yeah. in the wall and then you have like those interstitials of like a young samus like holding the hand of a chozo and yeah. like black and white and like really her memories cool. like it's it's smart storytelling in that it's not using words but you still understand that like this is a place that she has come from and this is where you yeah. know she she is kind of trained early on and everything and um i like that i i think that it's well handled and, and- and that was one like one of my favorite bits of Prime is the amount of Chozo stuff in that game, and I just love how much Chozo stuff they put in this game because it is it is like it is the backstory of Samus and it's really interesting, and it's something that's not in you know Fusion and Super Metroid. It, no, so it it, it 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 it's cool. I like it. I I thought they did that part well. Yeah, no, they they augment it totally, and I um, yeah, as we said before, like it it feels great when you have that full powered up suit with all your abilities now unlocked, um, and it gives context to the fact that you were collecting all these Chozo artifacts which were unknown beforehand, and now you've come to kind of the center of where the Chozo are located, and it all gets like because they know what their shit is, they sort it all out for you um so like that stuff ties in from a story perspective, which I think is very smart and um you know works in its favor so uh yeah no i I think it's kind of interesting, though, the fact that they leave so many of these abilities until this portion of the game, because I think most players will think, well, I can't go back to the other areas now, can I? Because, like, that stuff was all destroyed, right? 
Um, in fact, like post-game, you actually can. There are ways to return to all the other areas, like secret hidden pods, um, which open up. And I actually did a bit of that. Oh, maybe. really? I yeah, so I, I, pl- I, I played like an hour and a half today, uh, just going back and trying to get some upgrades and stuff and seeing how it all worked. And... Yeah, I uh, I appreciated that they let you do that because I think that's one of my favorite parts of um, the Metro series is jumping back into your save file and trying to go and get all that stuff that you missed. And the fact that the power bombs you don't get until that area and you don't have the um, space jump and all that stuff, it means that if you go back to the original uh, map, then there are, there are still loads of areas that you can still access then. So mm. um, it's it's great that they let you do that and um, would have been weird if they hadn't because it's kind of like a, a key way of uh, people playing that game. So. How about a final email? Sure, let's uh, let's take this. And of course, it is from John from the Nintendo Show. We always yes. we always like mentioning John, so definitely check out the Nintendo Show. Absolutely, it's a great podcast on iTunes. So highly recommend that. Hey guys, what impresses me most about Zero Mission is how they were able to take an unplayable relic of the 8-bit era and modernize it into a thoroughly engaging adventure. Save points, goal markers, graphic updates, power-up markers. Et al. All of these contribute to constructing an engrossing adventure that constantly pulls you forward. Just as impressive as the way the world is constructed, whenever you get a power-up, it is immediately necessary to explore to exploring the immediate, immediate area. And power-ups are not limited to suit upgrades. In some areas, you are switching on features of the environment rather than getting a new gun. They even combine powers and upgrades in intertwining ways. The morph ball and conveyors come to mind. The game does have a drawback or two. At times they fall into the old 8-bit trap of wild exploration, specifically having to shoot non-suspicious walls and the always annoying non-acidic false water. These sorts of obtuse obstacles stick out like a sore thumb in an otherwise beautifully modernised game. That is all, John in Orlando. Well, yeah, I think he summarized it very nicely and uh, brought up a lot of points that we kind of agreed with there. Like, mm. yeah, there there are those moments of, like, f- trying to shoot a thing and invisible water and, and everything. Um, and I like uh, that. I like it. Well, yeah. <laughs> it has its place, maybe. Um, but, you know, overall, Bali, like... This game is fucking fantastic. I yes. So I played through this game in two sittings. I started it on a Friday, played for three hours, got to Ridley, then blasted through the next three hours and finished the game the next day and was just entranced the whole way through because for me, like, I always get caught up in the kind of the Metroid school of design where I have a map and I want it filled in and I need to have those <laughs> those uh, grey bricks transformed into blue bricks. God damn it, it, it must be done. And um, it really does a great job of propelling you through the game. It really is just so quick and smooth. And I think this, like, is interesting because it links back to our last Backlog Club in Minish Cap, which felt like a very kind of... Um, smooth experience from the gameplay perspective as well. Like, I think Zero Mission does a similar job there. Yeah, I mean, Minish Cap and this game, I feel like, are smooth evolutions of Super Nintendo experiences. Yeah. And I think, we've said it already, this game, it's a very simplified 
way to describe this game is that it is somewhere between Super Metroid and Fusion. But I think it's also a fair comparison because I I think this is a perfect um, my first 2D Metroid experience, actually. And we've mentioned how easy some of the bosses are, um, have, have few bosses there are as well. I think that it's got a really nice curve to it there other than obviously those metroids in that corridor which is really tough um i think overall the the learning curve in the game is quite quite smooth and quite and quite um quite manageable yeah and i think there's just so much great stuff this game does where it, it it perfectly combines linearity with a world that you can explore um i think there are flaws with Super Metroid in getting lost at times, and likewise, Fusion at times feels overly linear, in my opinion. I think this game just does a perfect blend of the two, and if you like the Fusion art style, which I do like, but I think doesn't work as well for this game personally, but if you like that art style, I think this is a this is a pretty cool game to try out. And it's just 12 years ago, like... We need another 2D Metroid. Like, oh this, god, do it we? It shows what like Nintendo can do, and we need more of it. And it's it's an absolute travesty that they the, they made a game that's so good so long ago and haven't decided to make another one because Zero Mission is an absolute uh, gem of a game. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I I really thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it as well. Before we like kind of close out, let's get some quick hits maybe that we didn't get to before. Sure. Um, I, I really liked the use of the shine spark technique in the main progression of the game, and I think that's something that is much more kind of advanced and hard to get used to. But as someone who likes a lot of the post game of fusion, where you're doing these puzzle rooms that involve kind of using the speed boost and then storing it and then moving on with it and making sure you make it last for a large amount of time. There was one thing that I did today in Chizodia where you have to get a speed boost up and take it through like two rooms and then go down and make sure you keep powering up before you finally get to the area where you blast through and get an energy tank from it. And it's really hard. It feels like the sort of thing that was designed just for speedrunners to do but it's so satisfying when you pull that stuff off. And did you find like you enjoyed using the shine spark in, in areas in this game? I, I didn't use the shine spark once. All I used was the speed boost. I'm afraid I'm really, really? bad at shine sparking. Yeah. I've, I can't even remember how to do it. Just you basically hold, right you hold down while you're speed boosting and it kind of stores it. And then you can jump in any direction and Samus will like shoot in that direction. Okay. Um, it's yeah it's it's used to get a number of upgrades throughout the game and um i thought that it was really great here and i i really enjoyed using it um anything you want to pick out ballet hmm i just want to mention those parasites again i thought that was (laughs) such a silly little small thing but when it happened and like the parasites moved from you to the to the to the uh, barrier to like destroy it I, it's just so cool it's like just it's a silly small thing but it's just what proves why nintendo is so great at designing video games is just yeah attention to detail and it was just a, a really cool thematic immersive thing to do at that point in the game and i just love it when nintendo games do that absolutely um for me uh the last thing i just want to say here which is like the most fucking obscure thing when right. you <laughs> when you use the screw attack, you can still be hit by space pirate energy beams 
Infusion, you just bounce through energy beams while you have the screw attack. I thought that was bullshit, and I, it annoyed me. So <laughs> that was just a personal well, Let's finish gripe. on a negative, then. <laughs> yeah, Why personal, not? Personal gripe. Um, no, uh, let's finish on a positive. You unlock the original Metroid after you beat this game, which I completely forgot about. You unlock the original Metroid, so you can have that as an extra bonus for your Wii U if you don't already own the original Metroid on Wii U. That's a save state version of the original Metroid right there on the GBA game. Which I thought was awesome. And I think it's just such a, a neat little thing to, to obviously compare the two. So you immediately go from the, the amazingly smooth remake to the, as John described it, like the almost impossible to play yes. um, 8-bit NES Metroid game. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's yeah. weird. And I, I believe if you link this game up to Fusion, you get like something like, uh, unlocks maybe the fusion suit unlocks in this game i know you could do that with prime uh, but mm. i was kind of reading up and i think that you can do it with fusion as well so um i guess we can't do that because we're on virtual console but I hey yes good to know good to know uh well bally i think that just about wraps us up here for our backlog club on metroid zero mission thank think you of success to, to everyone who took part and we got a nice group of emails that was great to great to hear from everyone so yeah wonderful stuff so yeah we look forward to doing more of these in the future um if you have any suggestions for games that you think we could potentially do in backlog club you can email us at our email address bally where can they do that please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com indeed uh we always need more emails tell us what you think um we can be found on the twitters uh our podcast account is at tnl podcast uh i can be found i am at lord nbz and i am lord nbz on the meverse as well bally how about you please follow me on twitter as well i'm at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 that is also my name on the meverse um i have been posting about metroid zero mission but it is time nbz i'm gonna delve back into the depths of Xenoblade Chronicles X. So yes. hopefully my, that's my next little project in the next little while. Um, yeah. So definitely follow me on the Miiverse and you can see all my glorious screenshots from that beautiful game. Absolutely. I wish you good luck with it. It's, uh, it's many hours. I'm going to need it. You will. You will indeed. Um, all right. Well, I think, uh, you know, you can find us in the usual places. We are on iTunes. You can go over there and review us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and get the show on Mondays, usually every two weeks. Um, it's on YouTube as well, which usually goes up on the Wednesday, if I don't forget, and Bally doesn't text me about it. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, which is an app which people use apparently although i have never used it myself but it's there <laughs> um i think that's us bally anything to plug here before the end of the show um not particularly just follow me on all those places all right good stuff well we will see you next time for uh, a more traditional episode of this nintendo life where we'll talk about the games we've been playing and a bunch of other stuff so um thank you once again for listening Hope you enjoyed uh, the show, and uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.
Well, you might as well clog up the most important hole. To open the mouth and then to get it into the mouth after that. There's a, there's a bird outside the window looking at me. He's <laughs> like, like, what is this? He's like, what the what fuck on, is mate? this guy doing? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>